Do bamboos set themselves on fire? By Malmesbury, 20th of September 2022. Cross-posted from Telescopic Turnip. As we all know, the best place to have a kung fu fight is a bamboo forest. There are just so many opportunities to grab pieces of bamboos and manufacture improvised weapons. Use them to catapult yourself in the air and other basic techniques any debutante martial artist ought to know. A lesser-known fact is that bamboo forest fights occur even when the cameras of Hong Kong filmmakers are not present. They may even happen without the presence of humans at all. The forest itself is the kung fu fight. It's often argued that humans are the worst species on Earth because of our limitless potential for violence and mutual destruction. If that's the case, bamboos are second. Bamboos are sick. The evolution of bamboos is the result of multiple layers of sheer brutality, with two imbricated levels of war, culminating in an apocalypse of combustive annihilation, at least according to some hypotheses. Bamboo Wars. Bamboo Made Famine. There's a link here with a recommended soundtrack for this part. It's the overture from A Touch of Zen. If you enter a bamboo forest and wait for a long time, you may have the chance to witness their strange mating ritual. And by a long time, I mean you'll probably have to wait for decades before you see anything happen at all. But eventually, all the bamboos in the forest will start to produce an absolutely massive amount of seeds, all at the same time. Here is an image showing many fronds of thin bamboo fanning out in all directions with seeds all over them. And then they all die. The swarm of seeds will give birth to a new generation of bamboos, and it will take another few decades before you see any flower again. Based on historical texts relating to the event, we can estimate that some species, like Phyllostachys bambasoides, flower only once every 120 years. Here's a big table captioned, if you want to know all recorded history of bamboo flowering, this 1976 paper has six full pages of it. So here's a large table visible on your screen if you're using Overcast or a similar podcast player. Has columns for species, locality, flowering dates, intermast period, and then references. So I won't read out all of the data in this table. Locations include Brazil, Africa, Japan, Malawi, Pakistan, and Assam. Flowering dates go back as far as the 1700s, and in some cases 1100s, and even 999. Other dates are in the 20th century. Now I'll just read all the different intermast periods. 47 to 48 years, 42 to 49, 46 to 51, 30, 30, 30 to 34, 11, 14 to 17, 7, 7 to 21, 13 to 18, about 15, 115, 120, which is 602 divided by 5, 120, 120, and greater than 48. All those 120 ones are from Japan, except the third one, which is from Japan and United States. The author continues, That's really puzzling. Wouldn't a species with a shorter cycle, hence a higher growth rate, take over the forest exponentially fast? Why would bamboos wait so long before blossoming? 
The extension of flowering cycles to ridiculous lengths probably happened in two stages. The first stage is about bamboos fighting their predators. The second is about bamboos fighting each other. Then there is a speculative bonus third stage about bamboos destroying every form of life that has the misfortune to be nearby. Imagine you're a bamboo. You just released a batch of freshly baked seeds, only to discover that all the animals in the forest are eating them. You could respond by making more seeds, but then the population of predators would just become bigger and still eat everything. That's when it becomes useful to increase the gap between two flowering events. Instead of producing N seeds every year, you produce three N seeds every three years. This way, all the predators with a lifespan below three years will starve between two flowerings, so their population remains low. When the day comes to release your seeds, there are so many of them that the small predator population can only eat a small part of it until they're simply not hungry anymore. And then they should leave enough seeds to start a new generation of bamboos. The predators might reproduce like crazy after the feast, but it's okay. Your descendant will take so long to flower that most of their descendants will have died of starvation by then. Now you can stop imagining you're a bamboo. This destructive but effective phenomenon is known as predator satiation. And when we say satiation, we're not kidding. Here we love beautiful stories of cute little animals, so here are some from the archives. Quote, the seed grew in clusters and resembled oats, and all the animals and fowls got rolling fat from eating this seed. It's Hughes, 1951. Quote, I have known of village cattle gorging themselves on the fruit to such an extent as to die subsequently from the effects of overeating. It's from Tom, 1935. And so on. Both of those references had a footnote, all quoted by Jansen, 1976. All right. We've now pwned the enemies, making them so fat that they go rolling down the hill and we never see them again. Mission accomplished. Have we finally pacified the bamboo forest? Not so fast. This only marks the beginning of the next level of conflict escalation. Bamboo Wars 2. The Bamboozling. If all the individuals in the forest are releasing their seeds at the same time, the obvious strategy is to release more seeds than everyone else. There is a way to do that. A new mutant can adopt an even longer flowering cycle, so it can hold back resources and produce even more seeds. Of course, it still needs cross-pollination, so the bamboo should keep flowering at the same time as everyone else, so the new cycle should be a multiple of the current one. Under the right circumstances, making more seeds can offset the cost of skipping cycles. Here is a calculation, slightly modified from Vela 2015. Say each individual bamboo produces M seeds per cycle, and each seed has a probability P of growing into a fully-fledged bamboo. The growth rate over two cycles is G0, the growth rate, equals 1 plus MP, all squared. Now imagine a new mutant bamboo who flowers only half of the cycles, but produces S times additional seeds. That is, if S equals 0.1, we have 1.1 times as many seeds. 
G1 equals 1 plus MP, all in brackets, multiplied by 1 plus S in brackets. The new mutant will grow faster if S is greater than MP, which is likely to happen if growth is slow, M is small, or the survival rate is small, P is small, which sounds pretty realistic for bamboo flowering in an already crowded forest. If you consider how bamboos darken the sky with swarms of little seeds during masting, P must be very small indeed. So our brave mutant eventually replaces all the other bamboos, and now everyone flowers every 2n years. At this point, it's very unfavourable to come back to the original n years, so no return is possible. Once the slower bamboo strain takes over the forest, the road is free for another mutant with an even slower flowering cycle to take over. This goes on until the flowering cycle is so slow that it's ridiculous and you hit diminishing returns. Here is an image showing a bunch of numbers branching as nodes and getting multiplied each time they branch. It's captioned, The Phylostachys family tree is a long history of betrayals. This inspired the Game of Thrones series of novels. You can check this image out on your screen if you like. I'll quickly describe it. There's an initial box that says 5, then via a times 3 multiplier it gets to 15. Now that line between 5 and 15 continues with another 15 box and another 15 box eventually arriving at the bottom of the diagram to become Phylostachys aurea, 15 years. But that first 15 box diverges and has a 30 box connected to it via a times 2 multiplier and then another times 2 multiplier continues that line to 60 with Phylostachys nigra FH and then the second 15 box along that initial line also diverges with a times 2 to a 30, a times 2 to a 60, and then another times 2 to 120, reaching the bottom with Phylostachys bambasoides. The author continues, really makes you meditate on Moloch. Bamboo Wars 3, Judgment Day. There's a recommended soundtrack for this part. It's Thermonuclear Warrior by Carnivore. A heavy rock song. Not everybody is satisfied with this explanation. For example, if there are so many species of bamboos with different cycles, what prevents predators from just moving from one to another depending on the year? Keeley and Bond have another explanation. What they call the bamboo fire cycle. Be prepared, the conflict is about to escalate into a meltdown of fiery bamboo fulmination. The naive reader might think that bamboos don't like fire very well as they are themselves made of flammable material. That's forgetting bamboos are semelparous, meaning that after releasing their seeds, they die, leaving only a skeleton of dry dead wood. The skeleton might as well burn, as the seeds are already gone anyway. As it turns out, bamboos are exceedingly efficient at repopulating areas devastated by wildfire. Keeley quotes another obscure 19th century report, quote, The jungle fires of March, April and May subsequently swept away the tangled masses of dry stems, and after the rains of 1861, the ground everywhere was covered by millions of seeding bamboos, which soon grew up into slender plants, two to three feet high, forming dense waving green masses on the ground under the trees. 
end quote. Even if the emerged part of the plant burns, the bamboo can recover from the rhizomes hidden under the ground. This is confirmed by Keeley's key witness, M. Gadgel, quote, Indeed, bamboo seedlings will re-sprout under fire intensities that kill associated tree seedlings. M. Gadgel, personal communication, end quote. Let's all hope M. Gadgel is a reliable source. In fact, as there are more and more wildfires, entire portions of the Amazon rainforest destroyed by fire are being replaced by bamboos. Quote, The impact of forest fires resulted in incursion and dominance of bamboo colms over an area of 120,000 hectares, changing the forest type of this area to bamboo-dominated forest. End quote. As smoking gun evidence, absolute madmen Smith and Nelson, 2011, went ahead and burned 2,500 metres squared of Amazonian forest and found that, indeed, the patch was quickly invaded by bamboo. A footnote here reads, I kid you not, from the paper, quote, a 50 by 50 metre burn plot and a nearby 50 by 50 metre control plot were also established in September 1998. Under the early afternoon sun, the plot was ignited at several places to produce a homogenous ground fire. End quote. And that's the end of the footnote. The text goes on. Thus, I don't want to accuse anyone, but... Qui bono? If forest fires are advantageous to bamboos, then what a coincidence that bamboos are taking years to grow into densely packed sticks of lightning rod-shaped dry wood after making sure the soil is saturated with their seeds. The fire cycle hypothesis therefore claims that bamboos are the way they are because they use lightning to set themselves on fire, then burn the entire competing vegetation to the ground, then rapidly invade the cleared fertile ground. Here is Keeley's N equals 5 evidence. Here is a graph, figure 2, observed flowering periodicity for bamboo dendrocalamus strictus in different regions of India versus regional monsoon precipitation patterns. Flowering cycles from Bannock, 1995, and precipitation data from Joshi, 1975. So accordingly, we see an x-axis with summer precipitation in millimetres from 0 to 3,000 and flowering periodicity in years, ranging from 20 to 70 on the y-axis. And then those five points have been plotted. There's one in the upper left and lower right corner, and then there are three sort of roughly clustered in the middle. And between these, a sort of hyperbolic-looking curve has been drawn. And then there's R squared equals 0.78, P less than 0.95, N equals 5. The author continues. The scientific community is divided. As Saha and Howe, 2000, curtly put it, quote, we do not find the hypothesis compelling, end quote. Their main concern is that, basically, forest fires are always caused by humans and never by lightning, at least in the regions relevant to the bamboo wars, where, whenever there is lightning, there are also heavy rains. To get to the bottom of it, Rail, 2015, dug up some bamboo phytoliths from the soil and checked for charcoal in the vicinity, which would mean more fire equals more bamboo. 
On one hand, some species were definitely associated with forest fires. On the other hand, there were no traces of fire before a thousand years ago. So all these fires were probably the result of human activity. Therefore, the fire cycle is probably not why bamboos are growing so old, or why they are shaped like lightning rods. Bamboos do not set themselves on fire. We do. But regardless of the cause of the fire, it's still the case that species that can burn everything around them, then quickly invade the cleared land afterwards, are at an advantage. As humans cause forest fires, we might effectively be breeding bamboos into war machines. Beware! Bamboo maximizers are coming. Summary The niche that bamboos occupy requires them to flower at the same time, to cross-pollinate, but not have their seeds eaten by predators. One way to solve the problem is to flower at rare intervals, longer than the lifespan of the predators. A mutant can benefit from skipping cycles, to accumulate more resources and produce more seeds at once. This causes the population to escalate to absurdly long cycle length. Bamboos are good at invading the space after a forest fire. They might be especially adapted for that, and they might even be adapted to start forest fires. This is unlikely to have shaped the evolution of bamboos as we know them, since fires were rare before human activity. This was an audio version of Do Bamboos Set Themselves on Fire? by Malmesbury. Posted on the 20th of September 2022 and read by Solenoid Entity.